it's hump day. Yeah, it's hump day, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. I hope you folks are doing fine in God's big, beautiful world today. You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is a time of year when this is a time when all of our kids that have worked so diligently over the years through school and and are graduated from high school, or many graduated from college, and parents are, you know, bussing at the seams, proud of. Little Barrett Billy or little Mary or little Tommy. That their kids have uh, made it through the grind and have finally made it through high school or college and are waiting their diploma, waiting for that graduation ceremony. Myself, I'm going to go to a graduation ceremony this week. Uh, my grandson is graduating. And I have to say about my grandson that he is one of these guys... It never really says much. He uh, he has his own opinions, I, I assume, but he really doesn't hardly ever voice them. And uh, he has worked very hard through his high school years to graduate. And he's going to graduate as one of the folks that uh, has succeeded in going through high school and learning what he took on to learn. He uh, speaks very well. He's articulate. He's got a good head for business. He's raised by two fantastic people, his mother and father, my, my daughter, his mother. And my grandson is one of these guys that uh, he's a, kind of a jokester. He's a pleasure to be around, just like so many of your kids out there are. And they're graduating and finally coming out into the real world, the reality of the real world, which today, in today's arena, is very stark, to say the least. The opportunities are out there, of course. But there's such competition today for those opportunities, and so many people are lining up once they get that diploma, whether it be from high school or college, to lining up to... uh, Go after those opportunities, whether if you're graduating from high school, continue into a higher learning into college, or whether you graduate from college, looking at the job market, which is bleak, looking at what's going on around you in your country, which is not too good, looking at uh, all the opportunities available to one who is graduating from either high school or college. Now, when I graduated, there were not too many opportunities out there for a high school guy. Oh, yeah, there were the uh, standard opportunities, you know, uh, working in a gas station, uh, starting at the bottom, etc., etc. And I was one of these guys that said, I'm not going to hang around here. I was in a town that was small. There weren't any opportunities to speak of. And I looked at the older folks around me, and I seen how they ended up, like I said, working at convenience stores, gas stations, uh, whatever. And I said, well, this is not for me. So I joined the military. I joined the military with two things in mind. One, the opportunities available through education, etc., in the military. And the other was travel, which I dearly love. 
And I took advantage of both. But in the meantime, in the, in between getting the education and the opportunity to travel, I served my country, just like so many millions of others have and are doing. But in today's whole scheme of things, serving the military is probably on the on the back burner of most people coming out of high school and college, most. And I have to say, looking at it from a person who's been through the military and looking at it from a situation where young guys, especially coming out of high school, not so much college, but high school, they're young. And when you're fighting a war, the young guys are the ones who do it, not the older guys. For the most part, it's the younger guys. And whether most people want to recognize it or not, we are still at war. We've been at war since 9-11. And a lot of the folks that volunteered and went in to the military after 9-11 are getting close to the end of their tenure or their careers, if you like, in the military. They have served the country well. They have served in, like I said in many of my shows, places where most people wouldn't want to even send their pets, their dogs and cats. Many of those guys that came out of the high school right after 9-11 and volunteered to go in the military for love of country, whatever their motivations were, are either getting ready to retire or they've passed on via the battlefield or diseases or wounds that they encountered while serving their country. And I think America cannot say enough for these individuals that step up and join the military. Reason being, they're not forced to today. It's all volunteer. The draft is not in play. So these individuals that you see wearing the uniform of the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard. They weren't drafted into military. They weren't told they had to join the military. They joined the military for whatever reason they had. And they signed and signed on the dotted line, acknowledging the fact that they could very well give their life up for their country by joining the military. But they did it anyway. They got their training. They got their various MOSs, trained in various MOSs, military occupation skills. And off they went to serve the country. And I can remember when I went to my training. It was a 28-week course, and off I went overseas. 17 years old, on my way overseas. Now today, you look at a 17-year-old male. And for the most part, 17, 18, 20-year-olds, for the most part, not all, have no idea what it is to be a young man. They are still lost in video games, still lost in horsing around, still lost in trying to figure out who they are because society dictates to them that they don't have to grow up. They don't have to be a young man. They don't have to accept responsibility. Well, there are parents out there that continue to carry on the old traditions when it comes to the males and the females in their family. They teach them, they train them by example. 
on what's required of them as men and women, even though they are young men and women. And I have to say that my daughter and her husband have done that very well with their two children. They have a son and a daughter, both teenagers. Like I said, my grandson is graduating from high school into this week. And I have to tell him up front, if he listens to the show, which I know he does sometimes, that I'm very proud of him. I'm very proud of the way he carries himself. I'm very proud of the way that he, as an American, looks at what's going on, even though it's through the young eyes of a still teenager. And he understands all the negatives and the positives of what's going on in in our country today. And he does pay attention. And again, I would just like to say to my grandson that he is in my mind and in my heart And I'm very glad that he will carry on the traditions and very glad that he will be, I know he'll be uh, grow up to be a fine young man, a fine man. And I have no doubts in my mind about that. My granddaughter, same way. And I know you folks out there that have young men or women graduating this week or next week, whenever, feel the same about your kids or your grandkids. Very proud of them. Very proud of the fact that they've weathered the storms of all the social issues and stuff that come along with being a high school graduate, studied diligently, and made it to that last day when they will walk up on the stage or walk up on the platform at a football field or wherever the commencement exercises are held and get that diploma. Now, to many... That diploma means the door is open for more opportunity. To others, it means that they're finished with education and they're going to move on from there. No matter what they think or how they perceive of what they're going to be later on in life, that high school diploma should mean something to them. If they took upon themselves to uh, cash in on every opportunity to learn and get educated. And I hope all you young folks out there that were or are graduating this June, I hope that during your high school or college careers, you did stand up for what you thought was right, and you questioned those who went against what you were taught at home, what you were taught as Christians, what you were taught as Americans by your mother and father and your grandparents by example, I hope you had the opp- when the opportunity presented itself to stand up for what is right for America. I know America is a place where young Americans today probably look around and say, my God, there's not much available to me out there in the job market in the future. But I also know that those young Americans that were brought up properly by their parents taught the love of country and taught all the right things about their morals, etc., brought up as Christians, they will they will succeed. They will succeed. You will succeed in whatever endeavors you pick 
to pursue. Gary Gatehouse and the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show salutes all graduates, the graduating class of 2015, whether it be college or high school. I salute you. My staff salutes you. And all I can say is best of luck in the future. Remember who you are. Remember that you are an American. Always stand by your convictions. Always stand by and rely on what your parents have taught you. And never forget that your Christian religion is the bedrock of everything you decide to do in life. Never turn your back on your religion. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after the Phyllis Schlafly Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is an articulate spokesman in the media and before legislative committees on conservative and pro-family issues and was named one of the 100 most important women of the century by the Ladies' Home Journal. And now here's the president of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. Last April, the Mustang Oklahoma School Board unanimously approved a public school Bible course developed by the Museum of the Bible and Hobby Lobby President Steve Green. The course was created to coincide with the Green Museum of the Bible scheduled to open in Washington, D.C. in 2017. The Bible course was slated to begin this January, but after a series of complaints from the Freedom From Religion Foundation and the ACLU, the Mustang Public School Board reversed its decision. The topic of a Bible course in the Mustang School District is no longer a discussion item, nor is there a plan to provide such a course in the foreseeable future, according to the superintendent. Freedom From Religion Foundation's president called this a victory to preserve the right of a captive audience of students to be free from indoctrination in a public school setting. In the 50 years since prayer and the Bible were removed from public schools, we have seen sharp increases in school violence and behavior problems. School children are inundated with progressive socialist mumbo-jumbo every day in school, but the left-wing claims that reading the Bible would defy reason and the law and infringe on students' right to be free from indoctrination. But don't worry, Steve Green and the Museum of the Bible will keep moving forward. Project Chairman Jerry Pattengale said, Museum of the Bible remains committed and continues to work on an innovative, high-tech course that will provide students and teachers with a scholarly overview of the Bible's history, narrative, and impact. Pattengale and Green also plan to move forward in other districts that have expressed interest in using a Bible curriculum. Three cheers for Hobby Lobby. The American traditional family is under attack. Until now, no one has had the courage or wisdom to say who is responsible. In her new book, Who Killed the American Family?, Phyllis Schlafly exposes the culprits and their motivations. Get your copy autographed by Phyllis Schlafly at a special discount at eagleforum.org. That's eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Now, all you graduates out there, this is for you. You're going to be hearing this all summer. Get a job.
get a job. Now you folks out there that just graduated, getting ready to graduate or already looking for a job, I think you're finding out what Obama's done to you in the country. There ain't no jobs, but I ain't got any problem at all knowing that you guys and gals that just graduated, you'll find something. I know you will. Just keep looking. Get a job, the coasters. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I was reading an article the other day and it just about blew my socks off. I tell you, the information that was embedded in that article just, uh, it drove a lot home to me just on how low, how detached the American people are. And again, as I always do, not all of us, but most of us how detached we are from reality of what's going on in our country. You know, all of us studied history, whether it was a lot of history or somewhat, some amount of history, about World War II. And most of us know that Hitler and his Nazi regime killed millions of Jewish folks, Catholics, Christians, by, and, and killed them in such ways that I'm not even going to talk about. And we, we still, today, as a society here in America, still talk about how inhumane, how cruel, how out of control the world was in World War II. We talk about Hitler and his gas ovens and the Jewish people, and the Catholics, and the priests, and the rabbis that he slaughtered. And we've established monuments, and we've established museums to remind ourselves of just how bad the world was back in the 30s and 40s. The world was out of control. It was being pursued by madmen, both from Japan, Italy, 
and Germany, who wanted to destroy everything good about the world, wanted to destroy everything good about Christian religion, Jewish religion, and replace it with their ideology, their idea on what religion should be. And they decided somewhere back in the 30s that the best way to do that was to eliminate all those who signed on to Christianity, Judaism, just eliminate them. And Hitler took it upon himself to do just that. And like I said, he destroyed millions of people, millions of people's lives. He destroyed children, babies, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, whole families. It didn't make a hill of beans to him. He wanted to eradicate all those individuals, those religious people of both Christianity and Judaism. He wanted to eliminate them. He wanted to destroy their ideology, wipe it from the face of the earth, and replace it with his demented idea of what the world should be and who should run it. And today, in the year 2015, we as societies, both in Europe and the United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, all freedom-loving people everywhere, recognize again that those times were hell on earth for many people. Many people who were raised Christian, raised Jewish, they suffered immensely. They suffered all kinds of inhumane torture. And today in the year 2015, we look around us and we have to look no further than the Middle East to see that ISIS, the new fascism, in the Middle East. And those who follow ISIS, those who volunteer to serve under ISIS, those who want to make their voice known in a Hitler type of way, are destroying Christians and Jewish folks hand over fist. Destroying them as individuals, as family members, as whole families. In the inhumane way of cutting their heads off, putting them in steel cages and burning them alive, dragging them through the streets, cutting their heads off and sticking them on fence posts. Now, this is pretty gruesome stuff that I'm talking about. Nothing less of what happened in World War II where we established monuments and museums to remind us of what happened and swear that would never happen again. Well, most Americans I know most of us, but not all of us, have probably forgot what transpired way back in the 30s and 40s in World War II. Most of us go on about our daily lives not thinking back to those poor folks, those Jewish folks, those Christians that were tortured, put in the gas chambers, destroyed, but we have a reminder right right in front of our face. A reminder that is there every day on just how inhumane people can be. How inhumane other humans can be towards other humans. How movements can rise and garner support 
from fellow human beings to carry out the same atrocities as Hitler and Japan did in World War II. To carry out the same atrocities against fellow human beings just because they are not Muslim, just because they do not sign on to the perverted teachings of Islam. And the way they take care of business is, like I said, they cut people's heads off, they burn them alive, they torture them. And like I said, that is in front of the American people's eyes and ears. All of, all of free Europe, all of free countries everywhere, we hear it every day. But I really don't hear a crescendo of voices rising up, raising up, protesting this. I really don't hear Americans as a collected effort to say we've had enough of this. I really don't hear Europeans collectively standing against it. And I often wonder, why is this so? Why have we free peoples of the world stood by and allowed ISIS, Islam, and their established caliphate and the ones that they want to push on us in our respective countries, why have we allowed this to happen? Why are there people in our respective countries that side with them? Our media, all the folks in the political party of the Democrats, for the most part, side with Islam before they'll side with their own folks, their own religion of Christianity. Here in America, there are a lot of folks that would rather support Islam and deny their own Christian belief or the fact that their country was built on Christian morals and Christian belief. And I sat down and I've thought it out. Why are we this way as a nation? Why are we this way as free peoples, wherever we may be? Like I said, not speaking out against ISIS, not speaking out against Islamic terrorists. We have a president that refuses to use those two words in the same sentence. Why is this so? And if we hearken back to the days in World War II when we all stood together collectively as a free people and band together to overthrow the tyrants in Germany and Japan and Italy, we stood together as a free peoples who knew that our freedoms were threatened, knew that our way of life was threatened to the point where Hitler was killing us, burning us alive and gassing us. We stood up against it. But like I've said on many shows, those people, those free peoples of Great Britain, Europe, the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, those people were a different kind of people. Those people were children and a product of the years leading up to World War II, the Great Depression, etc., where they really had to work, scrape the bottom of the barrel just to make it. There was no public assistance. There was no 
handouts to speak of. There were soup kitchens. There were people standing in line for hours to get a bowl of soup. There were people who got on their little Model T's or whatever in the Dust Bowl states and made it to the West Coast to pick grapes or lettuce or whatever just to make a few cents a day to survive. Grapes of wrath. Then we look at society today. We look at society, whether it be the young folks of our society, the middle age, or the old folks. For the most part, we have really never been asked to stand up for our country. Because you see, like I said, in our case, fighting the war on terrorism is all is a all-volunteer army, just as it is in Europe. You can choose to either fight against terrorism or you can choose not to. But when you choose not to, you're laying at the feet of somebody else to do your job as a citizen of your respective country. You're putting it on them because you're too busy doing something else. And like I've said on many shows, some way, somehow, somewhere in the future, that attitude is going to jump up and bite us all in the backside. Now all you folks out there, like I said in my monologue, that have young men and women graduating from either college or high school, I wish you all well. And I wish that your young folks do not have to grow up in a country that is is a country that even you will not recognize as older folks when you get old. I hope to hell it never results in a country that is devoid of respect, common sense, love of country, respect for older folks, respect for the military, respect for our freedoms and our constitution. But I fear that what I hope for is really a long shot. I fear that most, not all, Americans today have forgot what it's like to sacrifice, have forgot what it's like to have to send your children off to war because of a draft, have forgot what it's like or have never really experienced the hardship of sacrifice, the hardship of doing something for your country that you would normally not do, i.e. putting your life on the line to protect the homeland, the motherland for future generations. Today in America, we are devoid of knowing what sacrifice is all about for one's country. Except that less than 1% that volunteers to serve their country. We are devoid of any responsibility for our country. We leave it to somebody else. We leave it to the politicians. We leave it to anybody but ourselves. We just don't have the time. And consequently, our country is teetering on the ledge of falling face first into the cesspool 
of communism. Following face first into a government-ran country that has no ties with Christianity, no ties with morals, no ties with honesty and respect, but the only tie they have is through control of the population. And I've said this many times, and before we go to break, I guess I'll say it again. It's time America wakes up. It's time America wakes up to the fact that being on autopilot for all these years and letting the country fly itself with loose controls and sometimes hard-wired controls by D.C. to dictate to us as an American people who and what we are. That time is either going to have to end or, like I said, we are going to be pushed over the cliff, finally pushed over the cliff into communism. And once that happens, ladies and gentlemen of America, patriots, moms and dads, once that happens, there is no coming back. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Show, Wednesday edition, hump day, and we'll be right back after a few short messages. Son, we gotta talk about drinking. I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all, before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking, and keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The American Heart Association presents Mon and Polly, the Better Fat Sisters. Mon, what's cooking? I'm famished. Here you are, Polly, my latest culinary creation. Mmm, these fish fillets look wonderful. Mon, I usually don't eat fried food. All that fat, you know. It's okay, they're grilled, and I use just a bit of a vegetable oil that's low in saturated fat. Does that really matter? It does. Oils like canola, corn, and olive mainly contain monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, and they can help reduce bad cholesterol in your blood and lower your risk of heart disease and stroke. Did Mother tell you this? The American Heart Association told me. I found the recipe at heart.org slash face the fats. Are we going to eat or just talk about food? Look who's talking. I'm Mon. And I'm Polly. We're, We're the, the Better, Better Fat Sisters. Sisters. For more heart-healthy recipes, visit us at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. Oh, what a beautiful Wednesday it is here down in South Texas. Just an absolute beautiful day. High 80s, blue sky, puffy white clouds. God has really painted a picture to enjoy today, that's for sure. Hope you're having a great day wherever you're at. 
in God's big, beautiful world. You know, patriots, talking about all the sins of our fathers, all the sins of humanity, when we talk about war, when we talk about all the repercussions of war, when we talk about all the suffering, when we talk about all the humanity that is destroyed, tortured. And as human beings who care, human beings who love their fellow American or fellow, well, fellow human being, we can't help but think back or think about something that I have spoken out against for years. Something that many people have spoken out against for years. Have sent all kinds of warnings to the American people, to the world. All kinds of warnings to families, to our churches, to our government. And yet those warnings that we folks who are concerned about a particular issue, a particular heathenistic way of taking care of problems that people don't want to be bothered with, as they call them problems, and I'm speaking about abortion. I read something the other day, and the headline says, Abortionists have killed more Americans in America than lived in the United States of America in 1880. I'm going to repeat that because that is that is a profound statement. Abortionists have killed more Americans than lived in the United States of America in 1880. And the question is, well, just how many people lived in America in 1880? That's not really the question. The question still begs to be why do we continue to do this? Why is there a political party out there, namely the Democrat Communist Party, that signs on to this butchery, signs on to the destruction of human beings before they ever take their first breath as citizens of the United States or citizens of whatever country they live in? Now, the number of American babies who have been aborted in the years since the Supreme Court's 1973 Roe v. Wade decision has already exceeded the entire population of the United States as recorded in 1880 census. Now, this is according to numbers published by the United States Census Bureau and the Guttmacher Institute. Patriots in 1880 According to the United States Census Bureau, there were 50,189,209 people in the United States of America. These included the Census Bureau notes and Mark Twain, who had not yet written The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Thomas Edison, who would start his electrical company two years later, and Booker T. Washington, 
who would open the Tuskegee Institute the following year, 1881. Now, the Guttmacher Institute has estimated the number of abortions in the United States of America in each year from 1973 through the year 2011. They added up to 51,376,750, or... 1,187,541 more than the entire population of the nation, our nation, United States of America, way back in 1880. In each of the last 36 straight years for which Guttmacher has published an estimate of the number of abortions, the number has exceeded 1 million. Ladies and gentlemen of America, we talk about Hitler. We talk about the Japanese. We talk about Italians. We talk about all those folks in World War II that butchered, maimed, destroyed, sent to the gas chamber, Jewish, Christians, Catholic priests, rabbis. We talk about them, like I said in the last segment. We established monuments. We established music, uh, uh, museums to honor those folks that were destroyed indiscriminately by the regimes of Hitler, Tojo, and the rest. Yet we just, we don't even recognize as a nation or as nations of the free world the butchery that continues today. Butchery at the hands of fellow Americans, fellow Europeans, fellow New Zealanders, Australians, Canadians. Absolute butchery. Now there were 1,720 abortion providers in the United States in the year 2011. Collectively, they did 1,058,490 abortions that year. To achieve that number, each abortionist, on average, would have needed to abort 615 babies. Each abortionist, on average, would have to abort 615 babies during the year. That is about 12 per week or 2.4 per workday if they only killed babies five days a week and did not take any vacations. That's breaking it down to absolute butchery. And putting the numbers out there that hit you right smack in the face. You know, you sit around and you look as parents here in the United States. I'm speaking strictly for my country now. Those numbers come strictly from my country. I don't have the numbers for European abortions or New Zealander, Canadian, Australian, free countries everywhere. I don't have numbers for their abortions. Those numbers come strictly from the butcher factories, abortion clinics here in the United States of America. And we Americans sit around and we have our children. And we look at our children as they're out playing in the street or out playing in the backyard or playing on the basketball uh, court or the football field or sitting there watching Tom and Jerry on television or whatever the case may be our children are doing. Picking them up from school. And 99.9% of Americans who have children look at them with love. Look at them with pride. 
just like I said in my monologue. I'm very proud of my grandson and my granddaughter. I'm very proud of all my grandsons and granddaughters. They're beautiful people. They're beautiful children. Some have grown up right in front of my eyes. To grow from little infants to full-blown young adults. I'm proud of them. My wife is proud of them, their grandmother. Their mothers and fathers are proud of them. And they're proud of themselves. And my question to all Americans who have children, whether you be a Christian, a non-believer, an agnostic, whatever the case may be, you're still an American and you're still a human being. How can you survive as a person, as a human being? How can you function knowing that each and every year at least a million unborn American citizens, a million unborn children created by God are destroyed at the hands of other fellow human beings here in America? How can you look at your children without thinking about those children who never had the chance to take a first breath as an American citizen, never had the chance to grow up and to graduate from high school or college. Bottom line, never had the chance, period. It was snuffed out in the womb. How can Americans stand by and allow this to happen. Like I've said many times on my shows, abortion is something that the socialist, Marxist, communist, progressive Democrat Party is very proud of. And they stand by the numbers. They're proud of them. Why? Because they believe it is the right of every American woman if she so desires to kill the unborn baby residing in her womb if she so chooses to. But one has to ask, does the American unborn have rights? Do they as human beings have rights? The left says, hell no. They consider the unborn just pieces of meat, nothing more. Nothing more. Some even consider them parasites. Patriots. This is the same political party, the same political movement, the same unethical, lying, cheating, murdering, hate America. If it feels good, do it. Rock and roll. Group of Americans who care for nothing but themselves. Their self-centered selves. Their self-grandizement. You know, I want it now. Not later, now. They are the same people who support open borders, hate America, consider themselves international citizens with really no allegiance to the country they live in, no allegiance to the unborn, no ties with anything that is rational as far as the human race goes when it comes to birth, abortion, etc. And I've said many times, and I'll say it again, those who vote, those who support, those who side with and stand with Communist Democrat Party are just as guilty of murdering the unborn, as are the leaders of the Communist Democrat Party. 
just as guilty as the abortionist in those butcher clinics called abortion clinics. Just as guilty as those who contend that Planned Parenthood is just a place for women to take care of themselves. All lies. But a large faction of the United States population buys into it and supports it. Even some Christian churches support abortion. The unborn will never know. We'll never know if they, some would have grown up to be that individual who found a cure for cancer, grow up to be the leaders of our country, grow up to be those people who lead us into the next century in a good moral country. We'll never know. Because like I said, their life is snuffed out in the womb before they ever had a chance. You're listening to Dogs of War Radio, live, unless it's a recast. federal law, tobacco manufacturers can no longer make cigarettes labeled or advertised as light, low, or mild. Many smokers mistakenly believe that these products cause fewer health problems than other cigarettes. Put out the myth. No matter what they taste, smell, or look like, all cigarettes are harmful to your health. There's no such thing as a safe cigarette. Quit today. For help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit www.smokefree.gov. Face it, there are some things you simply cannot control. But there are some really important things you can control. Like keeping your family healthy and safe. Steps you can take to make sure the important things in your life are under control. The American Diabetes Association has a free booklet called Planning for a Healthy Life. And it'll help you do just that, with information on everything from healthier eating choices, choosing a doctor, and managing your finances, to planning for a secure retirement. To get your free copy, call 1-800-DIABETES or go to diabetes.org slash life planner. Order yours today and take control of your life. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, because we want everyone to be healthy and happy. All right, all you folks out there that are married, planning on getting married. I hope you're having a great day. When you're in love with a beautiful woman, yeah. You know, before we go to break, uh, it's coming up on the hour now, and uh, Fox News is looming. It's up there on the radar screen, and I know Gary's got a break for the Fox News. I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to be talking about the second hour. Now, the second hour, traditionally, I kind of loosen up a bit, and we uh, include some music, include some commentary on things other than politics. And, you know, this show's not going to be any different than that, but I would like to also talk about, a little bit about anyway, the Human Rights Report on Iran. 
and why the State Department has not released it yet. That report is overdue. And I would like to talk a little bit about the State Department itself. Now, as a person who worked for the federal government, a person who worked as an intelligence operative for 30 plus years, and the last few, oh, I would say last 10 to 15 years, I was in the upper echelons, I dealt somewhat with the State Department at various levels on things that uh, the State Department had requested as far as intel information, etc. And I'm going on record as an individual to say that the State Department is made up of professionals. The State Department is more political than it is a State Department that represents we the people. The State Department represents whoever's in office at the White House. That's the way the State Department has always operated for the most part. Now, the State Department, I would venture to say, I don't have any numbers, but I would venture to say that the State Department is running rampant with liberals, with Democrats, is running rampant with folks who really don't buy into what America stands for. That is Gary Gatehouse's opinion. And it's not the opinion of any of the radio stations that I broadcast on. That is my opinion. The State Department, if you look at what it represents today when it goes in front of the television with its representatives, and the way it speaks about Obama's issues as far as how he uh, uh, approaches them, issues of the day, whether it be ISIS, war on terror, etc. They always have excuses for Obama. They always have excuses for his lack of any kind of diplomacy, any kind of initiatives that represent we the people, that represent our security, that take on those who would want to destroy us and take them on and present a, a plan to protect the United States. Obama doesn't have one. But the State Department, that doesn't, that doesn't stop them. They will get up in front of the television, whether it be on Fox News, whatever, whatever uh, television audience they're talking to, and they will preach the gospel of Barack Hussein Obama Jr. de Sisi and his Iranian advisor, Valerie Jarrett. They will morph, they will parrot what Obama says is the way it's going to be, the lies that he presents as the truth to the American people through the State Department, they have no qualms whatsoever of repeating those lies and standing by them. They stand behind Hillary Clinton. They know damn well that Hillary Clinton dropped the ball. They know damn well that Barack Hussein Obama Jr. dropped the ball during the Benghazi incident. They know damn well that all the information that the State Department and the Obama regime put out in front of the American people, the United Nations, the world, about Benghazi and the so-called video video are all lies. They know damn well that Obama and Hillary Clinton stood in front of the parents and the families of those four men that were killed, slaughtered in Benghazi and lied to them. They know damn well they lied to them but yet they stand shoulder to shoulder and they fall on their swords for Barack Hussein Obama Jr. de Sissy and Hillary Rotten Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen of America, 
The State Department, whether you know it or not, is an agency of the government, which is supposed to be neutral, but is not. It is a whole whorehouse, political whorehouse, that stands by and prostitutes itself for Obama and Hillary Clinton and their ilk, the Communist Democrat Party, just as all the other agencies Obama controls. The State Department is one that most Americans should not put any faith in at all. None, nada. They are liars on the same plane as Obama and Hillary, and they're damn good at it. They know all the ins and outs of misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda, supported, upheld, and broadcast by their fellow people in crime, the mainstream media. The mainstream media has their back. The mainstream media has Obama's back. And we the people, who do we turn to to get the true skinny, the true information? We go to the internet. We go to conservative talk show hosts like the Gary Gatehouse Show, Mark Levine, Rush Limbaugh, J.J. McCarthy, whatever. Eric Rush, Billy Van Horn. That is where the truth lies, with no spin. That is where the truth lies. We have no reason not to tell the truth. We are all patriots of the United States of America, all Christians who believe in our country. And we've taken it upon ourselves and will continue to do so to sound the horn, sound the alarm when people like the State Department, Barack Hussein Obama Jr., Hillary Rotten Clinton, Pelosi, Reid, and yes, those do-nothings, those non-leaders in the Republican Party, Boehner, McConnell, and the like, who tell us nothing but lies, misinformation and disinformation, and present it to us as the truth. They will take any lie, any misgiving, and spin it to make it the truth. And I'm sorry to say that the majority of Americans, not all, the majority of Americans are so ignorant, so underinformed, so I don't give a damn attitude that whatever the media says, whatever Obama says, whatever the State Department says, they say, yeah, that's the truth. When somebody like Gary Gatehouse, Mark Levine, Rush Limbaugh, Eric Rush, whoever gets up in front of the microphone and speaks the truth, the majority of Americans switch us off. They don't want to hear the truth or they don't have the ability the gray matter between their ears to actually identify what is the truth. This is Gary Gatehouse with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition, Home Day. And we will be back. We'll be back after the Fox 5-Minute News. News Radio on Lisa Brady. A move to restore expired government surveillance clears a key hurdle in the U.S. Senate. On this vote, the yeas are 83, the nays are 14. Fox News Radio's Jared Halpern live on the Hill. That vote clears the USA Freedom Act's path for final debate, but before a final vote, a bundle of amendments will be considered which could change the House-passed measure. We need to do what we can today 
to ensure this legislation is as strong as it can be under the circumstances. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell proposing new requirements for phone companies and giving the NSA a year instead of six months to end its bulk collection program. The best way to make sure America is protected is for the Senate to pass the USA Freedom Bill. House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy warns any Senate changes could make passage a challenge in the House. Lisa. Jared, thanks. The Amtrak president is on Capitol Hill. We run a safe railroad, and safety will continue to be our top priority. Joseph Boardman at a House hearing on last month's deadly Philadelphia derailment, focusing in part on why the railroad hadn't finished installing a speed control system on the Northeast Corridor. Questions also being raised about engineer fatigue and changes in work schedules. A friend of the Boston Marathon bomber learns his fate for helping after the attack. Fox News Radio's Bill Marcus live outside federal court in Boston. Lisa, the first of four friends of the Boston Marathon bomber, sentenced to six years in jail, followed by three years supervised release. Diaz Karabayev last August pleading, to, pleading guilty to disposing of a backpack and a computer he took from the dorm room of his one-time buddy, Jahar Sarnayev. Judge Douglas Woodlock dismissing the terrorism enhancement that would have resulted in a life sentence. Karabayev telling the court, I am ashamed for myself. I put shame on my family. His father, Murat, after leaving the courtroom, Burying his face in his hands. Lisa? Thanks, Bill. Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Real experience, real insight. We're following this explosive story. Nothing gets by Greta. Then. This is all BS. What was that all about? There's no spin and no question. O'Reilly dominates. Plus, smart, sharp, and cutting edge. It's the news of the day, but with a little heat. Megan delivers and. Sean seals the deal with fearless talk. What part of that are you understanding? Most watched, most trusted, Fox News Channel. There's more to Fox News Radio than meets the ear. Go behind the headlines and join the conversation on the hottest stories of the day on the Fox News Radio Facebook page. Be a part of the Fox News Radio Facebook fan community. Post comments and tell us your opinions. See behind-the-scenes photos and videos and post your reactions to the stories that matter to you. Click the like button on Facebook and connect with breaking news and features like Fox in the Fast Lane, House Call for Help, and more. Go to Facebook.com slash Fox News Radio. Some changes already made and more coming at the TSA after undercover agents exposed security lapses. Fox News Radio's John Decker live at the White House. The security lapses were glaring. Undercover investigators with the Department of Homeland Security managed to get weapons and even fake explosives past airport screeners a shocking 95% of the time. The acting head of TSA, Melvin Carraway, has now been reassigned and TSA has been ordered to revise its security procedures and retrain its airport security officers. Jason Chaffetz, the chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, called the failure rate by TSA officers deeply alarming. Lisa? Thanks, John. Two World War I heroes just receiving a long overdue honor at the White House. Three times he raced through heavy machine gun fire. Three times he carried his fellow soldiers to safety. President Obama awarding posthumous medals of honor to Army Sergeant William Shemin, who was Jewish, and Army Private Henry Johnson, who was black. We can't change what happened to too many soldiers like him who went uncelebrated because our nation judged them by the color of their skin and not the content of their character. 
but we can do our best to make it right. Johnson was left crippled by the war and unable to find work. He died in his early 30s. Late word of a roller coaster collision in Britain. Four teenagers seriously injured after one carriage on a coaster at the Alton Towers Resort in Staffordshire collided with a car that wasn't moving, leaving passengers stuck about 25 feet in the air. Emergency crews putting up a temporary platform to help get them down. U.S. auto sales overall stronger than expected in May. But right now, that's not helping stock. So I stand corrected. Now the Dow's up 11 points. <laughs> I'm Lisa Brady, Fox News Radio. Looky here, a new listener. Hey, this ain't your little sister's radio station. You are listening to the Garrett Gatehouse Radio Show. Well, welcome back to the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Wednesday edition hump day. You know, before we broke for the news on the hour, we were talking about the State Department, the allegiance the State Department has to the Obama regime, Valerie Jarrett, an Iranian. Both of them are stealth Muslims. Both of them are communist. The State Department is nothing more than a political platform that speaks out for and stands with the Barack Hussein Obama Jr. de Sisi regime. That's pretty evident to us folks who pay attention. You know, the State Department is 92 days past legal deadline for releasing human rights reports on Iran. The State Department, like I said, is 92 days past the legal mandated February 25th deadline for releasing its annual country reports on human rights practices and has not yet scheduled a date to stand up in front of the American people and lie about it. You know, folks, at no time in the last 22 years going back through President Clinton's first term has the State Department waited this long to release the report. One would say, why? Why is this so? We people who pay attention know why it's so. Now, the annual report, let's give you a little history on it. The annual report, or reports, which were first published way back in 1977, detail human rights abuses in all nations that are members of the United Nations or receive aid from the United States of America. Your taxpayer money, my taxpayer money. They are included, or they include, reports on Iran with which the Obama regime is negotiating a nuclear arms agreement. And the 11 nations involved in the negotiations with the administration to establish the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP, free trade zones. Those nations include Vietnam, a country where I fought in. It's communist, which the State Department described in last year's report as a communist regime. Sure, it's always been a communist regime. We were fighting communists in Vietnam. We were fighting China and Russia by proxy. And they also say Malaysia, in which the State Department said Sharia law enforced on the majority Muslim populations. Malaysia. During a press briefing Wednesday, State Department spokesman Jeff Rackey would not comment on when the department plans to release the reports. He also would not say whether the reports will be published before the administration wraps up the TPP trade talks or the nuclear negotiations with the Muslim nation of Iran. 
his buddies, you know. Now, these talks are concluded to end on June 30th. Now, this guy, Ratke, was asked during the briefing and was asked, you said the State Department was looking at scheduling opportunities for the 2014 Human Rights Report. Can you confirm that the reports have been completed or are just you just waiting to be to release them at a later date or at what point? He said, I don't know, have an up, update on the human rights reports. If I get one or if I get more, then, then I'll be happy to share them. But I don't have anything further to say than what I said yesterday. A reporter then asked him, do you know if the administration is going to release reports before the administration finishes negotiations over the TPP or the Iran nuclear agreement on June 30th? And the liar from the State Department, Rackley, said, again, it's the same question you asked yesterday. I don't have anything further to say beyond yesterday. Before they, uh, he uh, pointed the finger and called on another reporter. Now, way back on Tuesday... Christian News Service had asked Rathke why the apartment had yet released the reports. Rathke also stated then that he had no update on when the reports would be published, but that the department just being trying to find a scheduling opportunity for release. They're so busy. They're so busy behind closed doors trying to figure out a way that they can release that port report in such a way that still makes Iran look like a shining diamond in a goat's backside. They're so, so busy behind the closed doors at the State Department to try to come up with new ways that they can hoodwink the American people just one more time to protect the backside of Barack Hussein Obama Jr., his minions in his administration, and the Communist Democrat Party who are hell-bent on selling America out at any cost to get their names up in lights as having some kind of agreement with Iran and its nuclear capabilities that are looming on the radar screen. Obama don't give a damn. The State Department doesn't give a damn about we the people, about the security of you, me, your children, grandchildren, future generations. They could give a rat's behind. They are interested in one thing, figuring out ways to fool the American people to make themselves look good and keep the Americans off their back, as if there's going to be any. Now, according to the Foreign Assistance Act of 1961, the report must be submitted to the Speaker of the House and the Senate Foreign Relations Committee by February 25th of each year. Now, it was checked, and the release dates of all previous human rights reports date back to as far back as 1993 when Bill Clinton was first took office. In the past 22 years, 2012 was a year in which State Department delayed the longest in releasing the reports. That year, which was also a leap year, then Secretary of State Hillary Rotten Clinton released the 2011 Country Human Reports on Human Rights Practices on May 24th, which was 89 days late. I guess she had to sew up some new negotiations behind the doors or on her private email to get a little bit more money coming into her so-called uh, helps programs and stuff that he had, she and uh, Bill Clinton have established. 
She had to twist a few more arms. Now, look, I won't release anything bad about human rights in your country. Just give us a little bit more money for our efforts that Bill and I are trying to do. You know, in our programs. How about it, huh? I'll just release it 89 days late to give you guys a chance to cover up all your misgivings, wrongdoings against human rights, and uh, uh, sugarcoat them to make them look real nice in a nice package that I can present to the dumbass American people. And I'll use my office and the State Department to do it. How about that? Give me some millions more. Book in a few more speeches by me and Bill. Will that suffice? Will that do for you? Now, last year, the 2013 reports were published on February 27th, two days after the deadline. During President George Bush's two terms as president, both the 2000 and 2003 human rights reports were published on February 25th. The 2004 report was published three days late on February 28th. Four other human rights reports published under the Bush administration include those of 2001, 2005, 2006, and 2007. All were published in early March. During George Bush's presidency, the latest date on which the human rights reports were released was March 31st, 2003. During the eight years President Bill Clinton was in office, reports were released three times during the month of January, four times during February, and once in March. Under Obama, forget it. They're too damn busy figuring out ways to screw the American people, make themselves look good, and make all those countries that have bad records under human rights, make them look good as well, as long as Hillary gets a few more dollars into the programs that her and old corrupt Bill, Slick Willie, are running. The United States, the United States State Department, the most politically corrupt department in the United States, Ran by liberals, Muslims, communists, liars. They do not represent the United States abroad. They represent the Obama regime and the Communist Democrat Party. I bet you a dime to a dollar you would have very a very hard time finding what we conservatives consider a conservative in the State Department. The Communist Democrat Party and the Obama regime have completely corrupted an already corrupt State Department. With the likes of Hillary Rotten Clinton and her lapdogs who are still with the department, America cannot put any trust, any faith whatsoever in the State Department. Actually, we the people who pay attention to what is going on in government have little or no faith in our government overall, and you can take that to the bank. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, when we talk about the federal government today, when we talk about the federal government since 2008, it is not the federal government anymore. It is the communist regime of Barack Hussein Obama Jr. de Sisi and his minions in Congress, his minions in the Communist Democrat Party, the comrades in the Politburo. But we Americans, we march along with our heads down, our thumbs up our backside, or sit in a corner and suck our thumb, not paying attention, not knowing, don't care. Don't tell me that. Just tell me what I want to hear that will make me feel good, warm and fuzzy. And they kill the messengers that bring him the truth. Hi, this is Gary Gatehouse with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. I hope you're having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. And don't forget to listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show 
every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on DogsOfWarRadio.com. We'll be right back after the Phyllis Shaffley Report. Welcome to the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced, conservative perspective. Mrs. Schlafly is president of Eagle Forum, a leading force in the pro-family movement since 1972. And now, here's Mrs. Schlafly. President Obama's proposed executive amnesty is unconstitutional and very unpopular, but some senators in tight election races still support it. They are working hard to avoid accountability to the voters. Because the House of Representatives rightly refuses to pass the Senate immigration bill, the president has proclaimed that he's going to act on his own. The Constitution does not give him this power to rewrite our immigration law. That's a matter for Congress. But Senate Democrats are not protesting his amnesty plan. Apparently, they don't mind giving up their authority to make law if they agree with the outcome. Some Senate Democrats have made one request. Although they want the president to grant amnesty, they don't want to endanger their re-election chances, so they ask the president to wait until after Election Day. These senators know that amnesty is deeply unpopular, but the establishment is crying out for it anyway. Big business, liberal political consultants, radical cultural organizations are all demanding the abandonment of immigration enforcement and Senate Democrats are listening to them, not to the grassroots. After learning about these senators' tricks, Senator Jeff Sessions said, Never in recent memory has the divide between the everyday citizen and the political elite been as wide as it is now. Sessions rightly pointed out that letting the president get away with what he calls executive amnesty would mean the end of American sovereignty. It would also flood the job market with low-wage labor while millions of American citizens are still looking for a job. The senators who favor President Obama's illegal plans to schedule his amnesty for after the election are a big part of the problem in eroding the rule of law and in undermining the job prospects of American workers. You've been listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presented by Eagle Forum. If the crisis of illegal immigration has you concerned, write us at Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002, and ask for our Immigration Information Packet. That's Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. And join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Well, I hope you got your tickets on this Wednesday. It's time to get on the love train. First stop, Merry Old England. Hey, Stephen. Stephen Lang, I hope you're having a great time today over there in your home country of England. You know, if you'd like a ticket to the uh, love train, we've got a club car. It's a big one. All the drinks are free. All the food's free. 
All the music's free. Love Train. Gary Gatehouse's Love Train. You can contact me at GaryGatehouse at Hush.com and I'll see if I can scare up a ticket for you. And you can climb on board. The Love Train. All you brothers over there in New Zealand, Australia, all you folks that are standing up for your country, all you folks that want to take it back, put it on the straight and narrow, put it back on the main highway out of the ditch. Gary Gatehouse salutes every one of you. All you folks in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, free people everywhere. Well, Gary Gatehouse is on the love train, and I made my way back to the club car, and there's, my God, there's Scarlett back there having a gin and tonic. Well, there's Stephen Lang. He's drinking a pint or two. Wow, Billy, Billy Van Horn, is that you? He's drinking a club soda. And there's Trade Martin telling one joke right after another. How you doing, Trade? Eric Rash, he's there. And he's talking politics as usual. J.J. McCarthy? I don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) But that bartender is working overtime on the love train. Gary Gatehouse love train. Everybody's enjoying herself. You know, folks, uh, we uh, are presented with as some people call the coronation of Miss Hillary Rotten Clinton, as far as the Democrat Communist Party is concerned, she doesn't really have any body running against her of uh, any threat. I would perceive to be the case. Bernie Sanders, a dyed-in-the-wool socialist. Hillary Rotten Clinton, a dyed-in-the-wool Marxist. And O'Malley, I don't know if he's even dyed-in-the-wool. I don't know what he is. But that's a lineup for the Democrat Party. An impressive one. Oh, I forgot Joe Biden. Very impressive. Very impressive. Leaders, every one of them. And they know how to play the blame game. They know how to play it. They know how to play the underinformed American crowd. They know how to play the news media or the news media. You know, they're in their pocket. So they stand up here. Hillary hasn't asked a qu- been asked a question, has not answered a question of really any consequence since she has said uh, that she was going to run. But she's made a lot of accusations when she stands up in front of her little minuscule crowds that are herded into a little room, checked, of course, to make sure they car- are card-carrying communist Democrats. She saying, says things like, presidents, Democrat presidents, inherit messes or problems. And she said, and I quote, we have come through some really tough economic times. Democrat President hopeful Hillary Clinton told a gathering in South Carolina on Wednesday. 
American families have made a lot of sacrifices, she continued, noting that people lost jobs and homes and delayed college and retirement when the recession hit in 2008. And I will say that there does not seem to be a pattern when it comes to Democrat presidents. And there's two in particular that I'm thinking of over the last 35 years seem to inherit a mess of problems. Have you noticed that, she said? to her adoring, all-loving, card-carrying communist crowd. Have you noticed that? And the crowd of 45 all applauded. Then she goes on to say, So then they have to dig us out of the ditches. They find themselves in and put us back on the right track. The back on the right track to communism. And of course, I'm talking about Bill Clinton and Barack Hussein Obama Jr. de Sissy. She talks about her husband. And she talks about communist Barack Hussein Obama Jr. to Sissy. She talks about her husband who's a womanizer, who's chased people, women around the, the desk while he was president, and the media just thought that was the coolest thing that there could be. She talks about her husband and herself, who are nothing but international socialists and liars. And she talks about the Communist Democrat Party as being the right party and the right road to follow for the American people. She asked the crowd, are you or are we going to hand over our country once again to the people and the policies that crashed our economy before and that will share, shred this progress that we made? How that woman can stand up there and make a statement like that, I don't know. The only way I can figure it out, and I'm sure it's true, like I said, she has a crowd of about 35 or 40 adoring, card-carrying, communist Democrat people all herded into one little room where Hillary in her big fat pantsuit gets up there and spews all the, uh, oh, I don't know, all the communist Democrat pablum and those folks in the, those dolts in the crowd just soak it up. They adore her so much. After all, she is the smartest woman in the world. And she went on to say, without any hesitation, I, I would uh, highlight. She said, that's what the campaign is going to be about. She's talking about her campaign. Because we're going to have to stand up to the people who want to keep the deck stacked in favor of those at the top. There, this woman stands, a multimillionaire who has used her office as Secretary of State, used her office as Senator of New York, used her stature as First Lady of Arkansas and the First Lady of the country to rake in the dough, to get paid thousands and thousands of dollars for 20, 15, 20-minute 20 uh, speaking engagements by foreign countries, by countries who do not even support women's rights. And she stands up there and says... We're going to have to stand up to the people who want to keep the deck stacked in favor of those at the top? Are you kidding me? I can't understand why there is an American alive that buys into that rhetoric. She goes on to say the next president, be it Democrat or Republican, male or female, certainly will inherit a mess of problems, including the rise of the Islamic State, all the turmoil in the Middle East, tensions with Russia and China, a continuing troop presence in Afghanistan, to name a few foreign policy concerns. Well, Hillary, 
I seem to remember you carrying a big red button and standing in front of Vladimir Putin and telling him this is the reset button. And you folks, you Democrats, Obama and you, were going to take care of business and get everything straight between you and Russia? Am I right or wrong, Hillary? Am I right or wrong that Benghazi is still on the radar screen? People are still getting their heads cut off in the Middle East. Iraq is finished, gone. A, a puff of dust. And whose administration were you part of and worked for that allowed this all to happen? Barack Hussein Obama Jr., the sissy. You remember, Haley? Remember? You were Secretary of the State. Secretary of State, do you remember, Hillary? Has dementia got a hold of you? Are you losing it? Don't you remember those days when you were head of the State Department, flying around all over the world in your pantsuits, working on your little cell phone, working on that server that was not allowed, but you passed classified information back and forth, worked with the heads of state that gave you thousands, millions of dollars, for the programs that you and Bill run. Do you remember any of that, Hillary? She goes on to say, at home, the economy and jobs remain a top concern of Americans, according to a May 2015 Gallup poll. That same poll shows Americans are more concerned about race relations than they were when Obama took office. Who is she against? Is she trying to use Obama as a whipping boy? To further her own agenda? I think so. It sounds like it. But you know, folks, there's the growing national debt. And that all took place under Obama's regime when he took office in January of 2009. The total federal uh, debt was $10 trillion. As of the close of business, it has risen to $18 trillion and change up over $7 trillion from Obama's first inauguration day. But you know, we Americans, I don't think, are paying attention. We Americans are not paying attention to what Hillary is saying. This, those elitists, those dolts in the Democrat Party, the rest of us are marching along, doing our job, trying to put food on the, on the table for our kids, clothes on the backs of our kids, Try to figure out a way we can have a little money pigeonholed for maybe a two or three day vacation or go to the movies or enjoy something really nice on the weekends. We're not paying attention to Hillary. What she says is so minuscule right now in the whole scheme of things that Americans, for the most part, oh yeah, there are some out there that stand by her, fall on their sword for her. But Hillary Clinton, in my own opinion, Gary Gatehouse's own opinion, is a non-entity with the rest of us Americans. She's a non-starter. I think America is waking up to the fact that Hillary Clinton is nothing but a liar. A millionaire who has earned it off the backs of hard-working American taxpayers. But in her speech, at the end of her speech in South Carolina, I guess in a message that was apparently intended for her only female rival, Republican Carly Fiona, Hillary Rotten Clinton said, no matter how hard this election or any election becomes, we should remember that at the core we can have disagreements. And we will. We have different government 
philosophies. We have different views about what works and what the evidence shows works about economic policy. That's all fair game. But we should show respect towards each other. You see, Democrats are all alike. When you shine the light of truth on them, why they become disembobulated. They become unglued. And Hillary's saying it in a nice way. Quote, we should show more respect towards each other. She directed those words directly at, directly at the lady that is running for office on the Republican side, Carly Ferronia. Now, Carly Ferronia, Ferronia, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, is a business lady. She has all her stuff together in one sock. Hillary couldn't, Clinton could not even touch the career and what Miss Ferrona has achieved. Hillary Clinton couldn't even shine her shoes. But there's uh, people out there that buy into the rhetoric and the garbage that Hillary spews every day out of both sides of her mouth. She went on to say, Hillary Clinton went on to say, the core of every political campaign should be how we treat one another and how we care for this gift we have been given, the United States of America. Mrs. Clinton, you have tried to denigrate, besmirch, undermine, destroy, wipe out, nuke, whatever descriptive adjective you want to use tied to you and what you want to do to the American population, to the American way of life, to the American that we know and our forefathers knew. You want to get rid of all of it. You see, folks, Hillary Clinton is a Marxist. She's a Marxist that signs on to the Saul Alinsky way of doing things. She is a proponent of what Saul Alinsky advocated, what he said, what he preached, how to go about undermining American values, etc. Hillary Clinton was a friend of Saul Alinsky. Hillary Clinton wrote letters to Saul Alinsky and met with him when she was in college. Mrs. Friona said, and I quote, I think we need a nominee who will ask her, Hillary, these questions about trustworthiness, about transparency, and about track record. She told that to a bunch of reporters on the sidewalk outside the hotel where Hillary Rotten Clinton later spoke. In an interview later on Wednesday with NBC's Andrea Mitchell, Fronis says she comes from, the, from a world where what you have actually done matters more than what you have said. And we've always heard the term actions speak louder than words. People want to know, are your words and your actions consistent? And are they consistent over time? And so I think when 82% of the American people now believe that there is a professional political class more interested in preserving its own power and privilege than it is in serving the American people, people expect basic questions to be asked of everyone running for president. Everyone. What have you done? Are you trustworthy? Are you transparent? Will you answer these questions? You know, Hillary, I've got to say, if you are somehow elected, not only will the president who replaces you inherit a mess from day one in America, America will burden, will be burdened with an ongoing mess, just like left from past Democrat presidents. You are nothing but a lying, backstabbing, no-good rat 
that has done nothing good for America, have never achieved anything during your political lie or life? Oh, I mean your career, sorry. You and your sleazy husband, and now your sleazy daughter, are all products of what you studied in college, the ideology you live by, Marxism, communism. You are not American. You are an international elitist that spits on the American way of life. You, Hillary Rotten Clinton, are nothing but a phony. All right, all you Americans out there, all you folks in Europe, all you folks in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, free people everywhere, it's time. It's time to reboot that mission. Take back our respective countries. Reboot it! We'll be right back after a few messages. Where you going has no signs And you're not going in a straight line You ought to have me on your mind I dare you to think otherwise Reboot it. Come on, you know how to do it. Let's go. Reboot that mission. Reboot it. Hey, baby, reboot that mission, man. See, senor. We got to reboot the mission. Reboot that mission. Reboot that mission. Oh, man. I think we got to reboot the mission, man. Reboot that mission. Move your body. Hey Gary, what are we going to do today? Oh, we're going to reboot that mission! You heard about it? (laughs) Reboot it! Come on now! Are you folks over there in England? Light them up! Are you folks over there in New Zealand and Australia? Are you brothers and sisters? Of Liberty up there on Facebook. The Green Dragon Pub. Reboot it! Reboot that mission. Take back the country! Reboot that mission! Reboot it! Hey, senor, what does reboot the mission mean? Can you tell me, please? Well, I tell you what, Jose, if you ask me, man, it means taking back their country from a bunch of damn illegals, kicking all those SOBs out of Congress, and starting over. But, senor, how do we reboot the mission? We'll start with my number 12 boot. Reboot that mission. What do you mean, reboot mission? Aw, man, get back on the phone and try to sell us something. What are you talking about? You say no right. (laughs) We'll be right back after a few short messages. That was fun. Hi, I'm 
Paulette Carlson, do you really know what your child is doing right now? Caring parents just like you of 15,000 children who died of drug abuse and violence in the last six months thought they knew too. Working hand-in-hand -hand with Vietnam Veterans of America, Veterans Against Drugs, through their Commitment to Life program, wants to put an end to drug abuse, violence, and the fear you have for your child's future. Please help me and other caring parents by visiting the Veterans Against Drugs website at VVA.org. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much. Unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to walk. Talking, moving, walking, gone. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face, sudden trouble seeing, speaking, or understanding. If you experience this, call 911 immediately, because time lost is brain lost. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Know the facts about African Americans and stroke. To join the movement to stop stroke, visit strokeassociation.org today. Swing all you Christians out there, this song's for you. It's one of the most uh, uplifting songs that I've ever had the opportunity to hear. I love it. And I love black gospel music, I really do. It kind of gets right down to the heart of your soul, doesn't it? It kind of gets right in there. kind of perks your ears up. And are you Christians out there say hallelujah? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. We Christians are a hearty band and we will stand for what is right. We will stand with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No political party. No faction in the government. No foreign government can change our minds. As hardcore, conservative, Tea Party Christians that march to the tune of God's teachings in the Bible as Christian soldiers. Swing low. You know, God provides us with individuals throughout our lives that lead not only our families, not only our towns and cities, but our country. Not at maybe the level of senator or congressman or president, but it could be a judge. It could be a county official. It could be a common, everyday, ordinary citizen like you and I. We Christians, we who believe, we are all representatives from the State Department of God. And yes, don't forget, every one of us are spokesmen as well for God's Word.
You know, ladies and gentlemen, there, like I said, are people out there, Christians, who represent the American people. Sometimes we'll never know who they are. Sometimes we might read about them in passing or hear about them on a broadcast, such as Gary Gatehouse or Rush Limbaugh. But as far as what they do to help better the American people's way of life, to help better and further the cause of the Christian religion, that's you can't put a dollar sign on that. Now there's a man, I don't know if he's Christian, but I would suspect he is. His name is Judge Roy Moore. Now Judge Roy Moore said ruling in favor of gay marriage will destroy our country. The Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, Roy Moore, said he believes that if the United States Supreme Court rules in June that homosexual marriage is a constitutional right, it will destroy our country. And he added that there are people who would like to see this country destroyed. You're so right, Judge. Gary Gatehouse talks about it every day on his radio show. We identify those who would like to see this country destroyed. We call them out by name. He goes on to say what the court is doing is they are toying with something that's like dynamite and will destroy our country. He told this to Christian News Service in an exclusive interview last week during the Family Research Council's annual pastor's retreat in Washington, D.C., Judge Moore said in a favorable ruling would mean Americans would be forced to accept homosexual marriage and support it through goods and services for those ceremonies. We have already seen what Obama wants to do with the executive order. He wants to put the companies in the likes of of, uh, Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby, and such. He wants to put them under his foot, under his boot, and and wants to tell them, If you do not sign on and support homosexual marriage, you will never, ever receive any kind of federal government contract. Of any kind, any sort. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's look at that in two different angles, if you will. One, the statement by Obama saying that he's going to do this goes against the Constitution of the United States of America. It says that we have a right to stand for what we believe in. And he, as President of the United States, cannot bring anything, uh, the force of the bully pulpit, federal or tax, uh, whatever, against us and our beliefs. He cannot dictate to us what we what we shall and shall not believe when it comes to our Christian religion. He cannot do it. Secondly, those contracts that are let by the federal government are paid for by American taxpayer dollars. Whether you be agnostic, atheist, Christian, whatever. You're paying for those dollars. You're paying for those contracts. He cannot deny one segment of the population because of the belief of their religion that goes against his heathenistic beliefs and tell them that they will not have access to government contracts. Now, down here in San Antonio, Texas, not too far away from where Gary Gatehouse lives, the city of San Antonio has made that part of their law. That those people who stand with the Christian belief 
that same-sex marriage is wrong will not have access to city or county contracts. That's against the Constitution of the United States of America. Now, we all know San Antonio, Texas, and the government thereof are nothing but a bunch of Marxist communists ran by a bunch of people that could care less. They don't have any allegiance whatsoever to anything that is good about America. They are like their boss, their homeboy, Barack Hussein Obama Jr. to sissy, and their lady on the march, Hillary Rotten Clinton. They side with them, those types of people. They want to destroy America. They want to rebuild it as a communist government ran by communist elitist that would tell us from cradle to grave what we can do, what we can say, what we can't say, where we can go, can't go, who we can marry, etc. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, Judge Roy Moore said, when we talk about all this is already happening in cases where bakers or florists have faced fines and other consequences for not providing services for homosexual weddings because of their religious beliefs. He also said there are examples in the United States military where some chaplains have been disciplined because of their opposition to same-sex marriage. We've covered all that. We've covered it months ago. But I'm glad the judge is regurgitating it and bringing it back up. Sometimes I honestly think that the Gary Gatehouse radio show, in some instances, is on the cutting edge of breaking news and commentating on it. But that's all fine and good as long as it gets out to people who absorb it and understand the consequences of what we all talk about behind the microphone. Now, Judge Moore said the Supreme Court's ruling in favor of homosexual marriage would do more than allow two people of the same sex to be legally married. What the Supreme Court is about to do, if they do it, is not redefine marriage, but destroy, to destroy the institution of marriage. Moore said, citing the High Court's 1885 decision in Murray v. Ramsey, where the opinion stated that marriage is the union of one man and one woman, not Tom and Bill or Mary and Betty, one man and one woman. As part of that decision reads, for certainly no legislation can be supposed more wholesome and necessary in the founding of a free self-governing commonwealth, fit to take rank as one of the co-coordinate states of the Union, than that which seeks to establish it on the basis of the idea of the family, as consisting in and springing from the nation or the Union for life of one man and one woman in the holy estate of matrimony. The sure foundation of all that is stable and notable in our civilization the great guarantee of that reverent mortality which is of source all the benefits that progress in social and political improvement. And to this end, no means and no more and more directly and immediately suitable than those provided by this act, which endeavors to withdraw all political influence from those who are practically hostile to its attainment. You know, there is a hostile movement out there, organized by the left. It has been in the closet for decades. It's out of the closet now. It's in our face. The fascist homosexual movement. It's in our daily lives every day. 
were they a very small, minute portion of the American population dictate to the masses, dictate to the majority of straight people that we should give up everything that we believe in to make these homosexual deviants feel good about themselves. You know, America, as Americans, as straight people, as people who are married, have children, already raised children, have grandchildren, we know that the sanctity of marriage, the bond of marriage, the requirements laid down by our Lord Jesus Christ to be married, to stay married, to be happily married, we know they're under attack. They're under attack from sexual deviants who can find no happiness in their lifestyle. So they want to make it miserable for everyone else. They want to push on us, us Christians, us people who believe in the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. They want to take that sanctity away. They want to destroy it. Judge Moore goes on to say, I think that there's an attempt to destroy the institution of marriage, and I think it will cause, literally cause, the destruction of our country or lead to the destruction of our country over the long term. And I think there are people who would like to see this country destroyed. He goes on to say, I'm not saying that everyone who's homosexual wants to see the country destroyed. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a big push for it. Judge Moore is right. Judge Moore is 100% right. There is a big push, not only within the movement, the homosexual fascist movement, but all those government officials, including the President of the United States, who have signed on to it, who back it, who embrace it. We, the people of the United States, as straight people, who are Christian, who believe in the sanctity of marriage, had better open our mouths had better speak out, had better stand shoulder to shoulder because these people are hell-bent on destroying everything we believe in. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition on freedominamericaradio.com, Restoration Radio United Kingdom, freedominamerica.us, and dogsofwar.com. We'll be right back after a few short messages. My name's Tyler, and in nine years, I'll be an alcoholic. I'll start drinking in middle school, just at parties. But my parents won't start talking to me about it till high school. Kids who drink before age 15 are five times more likely to have alcohol problems when they're adults. The thing is, my parents won't even see it coming. To get involved in your local community, visit StartTalkingNJ.com. A message from the U.S. Department of Health, the Ad Council, and the New Jersey Childhood Drinking Coalition. All right, all you folks over there in Nacogdoches. Billy Bob is sending out a song Comb to you. Now, folks, I'm giving the microphone over to Billy Bob for about two minutes. That's all. You got it, Billy? Yeah, Gary, I got it. I love this song. I really do. 
I just wanted to say howdy to my friend up there in New Jersey, Mr. Trey Martin. The guy that cleans his car's bra at least once a week. I wonder what else he's cleaning. Now, me and Carl, we all got our stuff together, and we're thinking about doing another episode. Carl, I don't know about him, though. He is so drunk most of the time these days. I can't wean him off that Lone Star beer. He got started on Budweiser. Now he's back on Lone Star. You folks over there in Nacogdoches, if you got any cures... That I can bestow on old Carl To get him back on the straight and narrow Please let me know You can write Gary You can use his electronic message All you have to do is send it to Gary Gatehouse At hush.com Carl's drunker than a skunk I came in here this morning into the dorm. Carl was laying on the floor drunk, passed out with half a bag of Cheetos stuck in his front pocket and two six-packs of Lone Star empty bottles all over the darn studio. Didn't leave me one dang beer. I don't know what I'm going to do about that guy. His missus is always looking for him. This Billy Bob turning it back over to Gary. Talk to y'all later. Well, thank you, Billy Bob. I hope you uh, find some beer real shortly. You know, those two rascals, they come into my... They come into my uh, studio and they sit down at the couch. I'm not even in here. I'm out doing something else. Matter of fact, I was out cutting grass yesterday, and those two rascals were in here drinking cold beer. They could have come out with a weed eater or something. My son come over, and he helped me cut grass. But those two rascals, they laying in here on the couch, sucking on Lone Star beer and watching television. Then he has... <laughs> Billy Bob's a little more straight arrow than Carl. I tell you, that guy... I'm beginning to think he's a lost cause. He went down to the city hall bar and dance hall last Friday night. And he sashayed in there with his missus. And he had on a brand new pair of jeans and a brand new pair of cowboy boots that he just bought. All starched up white shirt, cowboy hat. Had a half a pint of cowboy booze in his back pocket. He was ready to rock and roll. I could see it in his eyes. Old Gary Gaghouse and my missus, we sat over way in the corner, and I told her, I said, don't even go over there. Don't even make eye contact. I don't want him over here. Well, before the night was over, here comes Carl. And he was all slobbering drunk and falling down and sliding on the sawdust and the whole nine yards. How you doing, Billy? Well, Carl, we're doing mighty fine. How are you? Oh, I'm just doing fine. I'm doing fine. We're just sitting over there listening to that music. 
And I said, well, that's great. I hope you're having a great time. Me and the missus, we're getting ready to leave. we got to go in town tomorrow, so we got to get up early. Now, I don't want you all getting into any fights. Or, oh, we won't get any fights. No, we won't get any fights. We didn't sit over and keep our mouth shut. And I said, well, that's a good thing to do. Just sit over there, enjoy yourself, get up there and dance. Keep your mouth shut. Get out of that dance hall and the sheriff won't bother you. And you'll be just fine. So, Carl, you tell Billy Bob that Gary and his missus said, how you? And they were going to be moving on down the road because we got to get up early and head into San Antonio. Got some business we got to take care of. Okay, Gary, I'll tell him. Uh, I'll tell I'll tell Billy Bob again. Billy Bob's over there in the corner right now. And he's trying to get somebody to play checkers at a dance hall. I don't understand that. Well, I don't either, Carl, but I got to go, so we'll talk to you later, okay? And at the door, me and the missus went, got in our pickup, and we hightailed back to the house. Well, come to find out, it wasn't ten minutes later after we left. That old Carl got in a knock-down, drag-out, destroy the bar, destroy tables and chairs, black eyes, bloody nose tore up brand new jeans, scuffed up boots, white shirt all messed up, fight. And it seems to me that he was sitting over there talking to a bunch of those gals that he always talks about, Billy Bob does. Those blue-haired gals, those beauticians from San Antonio that come in to the county seat in those great big old SUVs. One of them's a great big old black SUV. And folks, if you've never seen these people, you would not believe what they look like. Now, some of you guys would probably fall right out of your chair if you've seen them. They're not bad looking, but their hair is 14 different colors of pink and blue and green. They come in here with these little short skirts. I'd call them wide belts. And cowboy boots and little short cut-off things they call, I don't know what they call them, go down about their belly buttons. And they come sashaying into that dance hall and they just take it over. They never bring any money with them. These cowboys out here in the county, they just fall all over their tongues to get up there and buy them a drink, get them out on the dance floor and see if they can maybe get a ride in that SUV or two. Well, Carl seems to think that he is the man when it comes to these ladies these hairdressers, and he got out and went over there and he told one cowboy, he says, hey, get your hands off my lady. The guy looked at him and said, man, you got your wife sitting over there in the corner. Just shut up and go and sit down. Bam. That's all it took. That's all it took. Carl's wife and Billy Bob's wife and Billy Bob, they left. They got the heck out of Dodge. Welcome Next morning, I got a phone call from Billy Bob saying we got to go down and get Carl out of the hoose cow. Rested for fighting, rested for throwing beer bottles, all kinds of stuff. So we went down and we got him out. He's at home nursing a black eye and a broken nose and a cut lip. But he swears he's going to go over there at the courthouse. Going over there at the dance hall this coming Saturday night and look for those cowboys. God have mercy on us here in the county. Say a prayer for us. This is Gary Gatehouse with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show wishing you all a great Wednesday. Wishing every one of you a beautiful Thursday.
And I'll be talking to you again Friday on the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Anything Goes. Until then, good day.